0: All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Shooter Society podcast. This one has been a long time coming. We've been absent for most of July. Uh, Just busy, busy. Um, This week, especially, we're planning on recording earlier, but it seems like we've had delay after delay, um, whether it's equipment breaking or one of us busy with work or Victoria, I believe you had an interesting story about people getting lost in a canyon in Arizona.
1: Yes, yes. So we're caretaking in the national forest and came home one day to find the place just completely crawling with search and rescue. Apparently someone didn't check in.
0: So Okay. Well, that sounds like the short version of the story, but you were also saying yeah. some you were also saying something about a rattlesnake and a shovel, maybe a pitchfork.
1: Oh, no no no. Uh, so the pitchfork was merely my mom making fun of me. Uh, so there was a rattlesnake on the nature trail today. And I ran back. I have been walking the dog in my flip-flops. And I ran back to the shed and got out a big shovel and proceeded to run back through the nature trail, still in my flip-flops with the shovel, shouting, Gillette, Gillette. My mom said, you look like the Salem Witch Trial. All you need is a pitchfork. And a torch. And yep. a torch. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: it's funny. You were, you were screaming out there. Do rattlesnakes respond like bears? Because I know when you're walking through the woods, um, if you don't want to get bear attack, you're supposed to make a lot of noise, maybe carry a can of bear mace. So Uh,
1: This one was just laying there in the middle of the trail.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's funny. I saw a rattlesnake um, just over a month ago. It was near a reservoir in Utah, Bell Granite Trailhead. So if you are in Utah, beware because there was one rattlesnake near Bell Granite Trailhead. So anyway... Speaking of snakes, let's talk about Station 4 because this, can, this particular station can make a lot of people nervous. So with that being said, we will be covering both the high house and the low house, some commonalities between the both, but we will mention some distinctions between the two. Talk to us about how the NSSA would recommend someone stand, hold, look, look and shoot Station 4 high and low.
1: right. So the fundamentals say that if you're a right-handed shooter, you're going to get up on the station, belly button is going to go in the low house window. If you're a left-handed shooter, you're going to do the opposite. You're going to get on the station, belly button in the high house window. If you're shooting high four, you are going to hold a third of the way out along the flight path. That means 21 feet out from the window, Uh, and you're going to look halfway back, and that does apply to both sides.
0: Okay. So I've mentioned this anecdote in one of our earlier episodes. However, I think it needs to be mentioned here, especially for station four. Whenever I've helped another shooter with either the high or low four, it doesn't really matter. It applies to both. I've told them to turn around and look at the freeway to the south where our club is in the Salt Lake area. If you've been to Lee Kay, you'll know. I tell them to put their finger on one of the cars and follow it as it moves. Now, these vehicles are going about 70 miles per hour, but they're uh, a few hundred yards in the distance. So anyway, they'll put their finger on one of the cars, and they'll slowly track it. Seconds later, their hand has only moved a few inches at most. And I'll stop them, and I'll tell them that the cars out there are going at least 65, probably more. However, their hand, their finger, has barely moved at all. And I'll pause for a second and ask them, why is that? It's because of the distance. It's because of where you are relative to your target, quote unquote. Uh, because of the large distance between them and the vehicles that they're putting their finger on, they did not need to move very much to establish and maintain synchronization. So you may ask yourself, how does this apply to shooting clay targets on a skeet field on a Station 4? Well, same thing because of your distance to that target it does not require hardly any eye movement, gun movement, body movement, in, in order to get out in front, stay in front, match gun speed to target speed and break the target.
1: So this is all true. Um, big thing that we see people doing And I know Matt wants to talk about this a good bit. Uh, So a big thing that we see people doing on station four, on any station really, but it's really easy to tell that you're doing it on station four, is jumping out ahead of the target. So as Matt mentioned, this target's you're going to be moving pretty slow to kind of just stay out in front of it. You get your sustained lead. You take off when you get that flash you lock onto the target, you pull the trigger, you're going to see that your gun hasn't really moved a whole lot in the space that you need to do that. But a lot of times people, they're so, you know, worried. They've been on station two. They've been on station three. They've seen how fast that high house is. And so they're ready. They're tense and all their muscles are tight and they're holding that gun and they flash and they throw the gun. Well, now you're, you know, seven or eight feet out in front of it. You got to slam on the brakes. When you slam on the brakes, the target's going to blow past you. Then you're going to be taken off after it again, shoot and swing through. Um, or you're just going to stop. You're going to shoot behind it. You know, any number of things can happen once you blaze out past that target. You jump way out in front of it. So in order to avoid that, you really need to relax and just let your eyes do the work here.
0: Right. So you mentioned some of that I was going to say myself is as we're moving around the skeet field from station two to station three to station four, um, people have to categorize And Well, I'm having an issue on high house targets. Well, I'm having an issue on low house targets. Whereas um, each station needs to be thought of as almost its own world because um, shooting a high house on two um, sporting clay shooters may refer to that as a deep quarrying or sh- even a shallow quarrying target, depending on what they're used to. But Station 4, this is a true crosser, whether it's left to right or right to left. And because of that, it's your eyes are used to targets that are relatively fast. And you see that flash coming out, and it's moving so fast to you that you think you need all this excessive gun movement. And because of this, uh, your eyes end up moving too much, whereas on 4... Um, you can be far, far more relaxed.
1: Yeah. And I like that talk about relaxed. So when you shoot, um, you get into your stance and you want to think of your gun as kind of like an extension of yourself. It's not some foreign object that you're trying to fight. You just kind of want to go to your whole point, go to your look point and let your eyes do the work. Don't think too much about oh i have to swing this big heavy gun no just think oh i just have to turn my body and if you're in the correct stance um now there are some you know issues that are going to prevent some people from getting into that stance but if you're in the correct stance your feet are underneath your shoulders your weight's on the leg that is closer to the center stake so if you're right-handed your weight is on your left leg and if you're left-handed your weight is on your right leg you're leaning forward in and that is just to absorb the recoil But it's also to kind of allow you to, that front leg is bent, it allows you to turn with the legs. And so what you want to do here is you want to focus on driving that movement from the legs rather than worrying, oh, I have to throw my gun. My gun is, you know, however much it weighs, 7 pounds, 11 pounds, whatever. We don't want to throw it. We want to control it. So we just want to let our eyes pick up that target and then push off with our feet and start that gentle swing.
0: Yeah. The takeaway from my uh, anecdote with the cars is we do not want to move too much on station four because it does not take a lot. Um, One of the common reasons that I see shooters, the reason why they're generating too much movement is that their initial move to the target was because of, in part, their whole point maybe being in way too much where they're setting their eyes being in even more. And just as important, how their eyes are looking. The result is they they have the need to move much more compared to a shooter whose whole point is maybe one third of the way out from the from the high house or the low house, with their eyes maybe halfway back, three quarters of the way back, looking in a more relaxed, uh, a soft focus.
1: And if you are like out there and you're practicing with a bunch of different people, you're going to get a lot of tips. And a lot of times, if you're shooting that target too late, people who they're just not paying attention or they don't know enough about the sport, uh, they're going to tell you to move your whole point or your look point closer to the house. And it's going to be like, oh, keep moving in, keep moving in. Well, that can actually hurt you more than it can help you. Sometimes moving out or just changing your look point Sometimes that is the best thing to do rather than getting closer and closer and closer. Because if that target is getting past you, it could mean that you're looking too close. And so that target is getting past your eyes. So therefore, if it gets past your eyes, it's going to get past your barrel.
0: Yeah, a common saying, if you want to shoot the target quote unquote faster, well, move your gun closer to the house, move your eyes closer to the house. Well, by the time you uh, see the target, your brain realizes it. The target is well past your gun. Your gun starts out well behind. So what do you need to to do to compensate for this? You need to swing through, maybe pull away from it. And because of that, you end up breaking the target far later, maybe sometimes even past the center stake. Well, if you do that, it's going to doom you for doubles. And not only that, it's going to be incredibly inconsistent for you to break that target, especially if you shoot competitively and shoot with lower gauges. Um, the odds of you getting consistent breaks, good solid breaks, putting in the middle of your pattern is pretty low.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I do like that talking about putting it in the middle of your pattern. That's that's always nice to see it on station four. Um, but that was a tangent. So what I do want to kind of add on here is we haven't really talked about height. So. NSSA standards tell you to hold, so both high and low, NSSA standards say the same thing, hold at the bottom of the window. My issue with that on station four is that, especially the low house, I mean the high house, you can kind of cheat up, but on the low house, if you're a third of the way out and you're holding at the bottom of the window, the target is gonna be really, really far above your barrel. And you wanna be a lot closer to the flight path. So I always say to cheat up a little bit, come at least to the top of the window on the low house. Uh, You might be able to cheat up on the high house, depending on how the targets are set. If they're high targets, yeah, move your whole point up, obviously. Um, But if they're flat, keep them down, obviously. But definitely on that low house, most of the time, cheat up to the top of the window. And the reason for that is you're going to have to move at the angle that the target's moving at. And if you start way below it, you're not moving at the same angle as the target. So what you're doing is you're moving up and what a lot of people will do is they'll end up going above it. So they'll shoot above a low four because this is the first one that they've kind of had a crosser. And then soon it's gonna change to a quartering from the low house. And the low house does have a much steeper pitch than the high house. But this is the first station where that becomes evident. So bringing it up is going to make that gun move at the same angle as the target.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying for a low four, if someone were to hold level with the very bottom of the house, that they will overcorrect, overcompensate and shoot above. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. So two tangents there that I think we should go into. What First one was putting it in the center of the pattern, what that means. And the second one is holding at the bottom of the window versus the top of the window, because I'm surprised to hear that the, that the NSSA recommends holding at the bottom of the window for targets like low four, low five, low six, because I've almost never done that before. Um, I don't know
1: anybody who it is.
0: Yeah, I would, because of the perceived the actual rise of those targets, low four, low five, low six, you might even be able to hold a little bit above, which I'm not telling you to do. I don't do that. I hold level at the top of the window for low four, five, and six. Um, is, uh, it can create a lot of uh, extra hassle that you don't need.
1: Sorry. Matt is seeing me freak out over here because I'm getting excited about
0: something. Okay, okay so thir- third tangent. Um you guys cannot see us. However, we are considering putting these episodes on YouTube, so you will get to see our good-looking mugs in the future, and it will be under the same name, Skeet Shooter Society. So that's something for you guys to look forward to, all five of our listeners. So, okay.
1: One thing that I will say becomes – very well, it's evident on every station, but station four is where I notice it the most. Height matters where you hold. So this is kind of on the same tangent I was on before. Um Matt, how tall are you?
0: Um six feet tall.
1: Okay, I feel like a midget. I'm five feet tall. Well technically so if you it,
0: it, technically if you were one inch tall sure, you would be a legal midget. So
1: I think it's two inches, isn't it? Four ten.
0: Like, no, I'm pretty sure That's, it's four eleven. Um oh, okay. and, anyway, so you are a a bonus midget, a, a jumbo midget. Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So so somebody who is six feet tall, he's talking about holding at the top of the window. I'm five feet tall. I hold about probably six feet above the window. Uh, And the reason for that is because the angle at which we're looking at the target. Now, remember we have a foot height difference. A foot height difference out here is a lot of feet out at the 21 yards it's a lot of feet out where that target's coming out of. So your height might play into how much you adjust your whole point up or down. So if you're really tall, you'll be able to keep it lower, Um, especially, you know, if you're really tall, you're probably not looking. I've only ever seen the bottom of the targets come out. Uh, But if you're taller, you're going to be looking at that target flat on unless it's canted one way or the other. And so, you know, you're going to have a whole different presentation as opposed to someone who's looking down here, looking up at the targets. And so that is one thing to think about when you're picking out a height.
0: Yeah. Find details like that. It'll also matter on your break point, how early you break that target in its flight path um, will depend on how much of the top center or bottom or center of sporting clay shooters, like to say edge of the target mm-hmm. uh, you see. So other tangent uh, you mentioned was putting the, the target in the center of the pattern so what we mean by that um, not all of our shooters will be experienced competition uh, shooters they might be new to uh, shotgun shooting in general so When you pattern a shotgun, if you go online and say pattern and type in pattern a shotgun, you'll see a piece of cardboard, a piece of steel, and you'll see a bunch of steel BBs on it, essentially enveloping a whole general area that that they were looking at when they pulled the trigger. But um, a better way to imagine this is essentially a shot cloud. So a cloud is three-dimensional. It's not a perfect uh, oval sphere, um, uh, but it has left side or right side a center but it's also three-dimensional so there's a front end and a tail end what we're talking about putting the clay target in the center is when we have gotten a good initial move good look at the target we've matched gun speed of target speed getting the gun moving at the exact same speed of that target um, that means that we are putting it not on the tail end or the front end where you just chip it and break into a few pieces like people do with their heavy 12 gauge shells and they wonder why they barely break it. We're putting it in the very center of the pattern where, because we've perfectly synchronized that movement with that target, uh, it doesn't matter if we're shooting one in eight ounce 12 gauge shells, seven in eight ounce 20 gauge shells, or even half ounce 410 shells, you can smoke a target on station four, regardless of your load size, if you perfectly synchronize it. Now, Victoria's giving me all sorts of hand signals that I can tell she really wants to talk. So this is your amateur class in ballistics. So now back to Victoria.
1: I actually we to plug in ballistics here. If you are not sure what a shot string looks like, because what he's describing that cloud is something that we call a shot string. Yeah. Uh, and if if you are interested in learning more about that, go on to YouTube and look for shot strings on there. And you will see a lot of cool things. Um, There's one guy who shoots a big tub of Jello, and it actually frizzes the BBs and it actually shows what that shot string looks like. Uh, And then there's another guy who is shooting a lake. So a lot of people are like, oh, the faster you swing the gun, the longer your shot string is going to be, the wider your pattern. Uh, Yeah, that's a myth. And the one guy who shoots the lake, he proves that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, Gil Ash at OSP Shoots yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. yeah, not sponsored or anything, but uh, whipping the gun will not spread or open up your pattern whatsoever. Believe me, the shells you're shooting, even if you're a budget reloader, <laughs> person, company included, um, no matter how slow or how fast you get load that shell, you will not be able to spread it with your mere mortal movement. So. So anyway, those were uh, quite the tangents. Anything else you'd like to mention, Victoria? You, you're just as giddy as can be on this episode.
1: Yeah, I like Station 4. This is my favorite station.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, if uh, Depending on the podcast app that you're listening to this on, I posted the thumbnail for our previous episode as a grumpy turtle. So I, I think I'm going to get a really happy Interject turtle to for Victoria this time. So...
1: That works. could have also been the sugar from the Coke I just drank.
0: Okay. Well, if you're watching the video on, on our yet-to-be-released YouTube video in the future, uh, you'll notice Victoria just froze up for a little bit there. So if you had any words of wisdom, you might want to repeat them.
1: No, I didn't say anything important.
0: Okay. Okay. So we've gone over some mistakes because on Station 4 any clay target, really. There are a lot of different ways that you can shoot this. You can break it on the other side of the field with a swing through, a pull away, practice it any way you want, and you can break it more times than not. However, breaking it, the reason why we're stressing this, breaking it the proper way, 15 or so feet before the center stake, um, picking that target up as early as humanly possible, is we want to give skeet shooters or anyone who shoots skeet, you could be a trapper, sporting clay shooter, a novice, We want to give you a proper foundation because when you eventually shoot smaller gauge shells, when you eventually shoot doubles, um, your margin for error on station four becomes little to none. So breaking uh, bad habits that are ingrained over time is so difficult. They consume so many shells and it's going to be so frustrating. We want to get you to learn it the, the proper way that's used to give you the highest probability chance for breaking that target for putting these particular targets high and low four in the center of your pattern. Mm -hmm.
1: And I will say there are two types of shooters. A lot of people and I do this a little bit too but a lot of people approach singles and doubles differently on three, four, and five. And if you do that it's totally fine but you are going to have to learn how to shoot doubles after you learn how to shoot singles. And so what Matt is advocating here is to learn to shoot singles like you're going to when you shoot doubles. And that just makes the learning process for when you do decide, hey, I want to shoot doubles on four. That just makes it so much faster. It makes it a lot easier because you already know how to break the first one, whether it be a high or a low. And then all you have to do is add the second one on.
0: Yeah. We, we did not want you guys changing a whole point, changing a look point just because you have to shoot a double on a particular station, especially on three, four, and a five. Um, in your head, you know, you're shooting a single, just like if you were to shoot a single on six versus a pair on six, you know, in your head, but, um, we don't want you to change your setup in any way. Right.
1: And the one thing I will say is we've all done this. Um, but if you are shooting doubles and you forget that you're shooting doubles, it's <laughs> a whole lot easier to correct if you shoot the first target the same way. Um, otherwise, you know, if your stance is different, you're going to be like, oh, crap, I can't turn my gun around. I can't reach that far over to shoot the second one. Uh, if your whole point is different, you might not change your whole point. It's the First one in the right spot. So it's really just a whole lot easier, you know, whether you forget or you remember every time. Um, it's it's just a lot more convenient and it's easier on you if you shoot your first target the same way you're going to shoot doubles.
0: Yeah. So, let's move on to look points. So, like the other guidance we give, look points it can be tweaked slightly for your own game. Um, though if you differ significantly, you might consider trying what we're talking about. Um. From a whole point of approximately one-third of the way out from the house, your look point or look zone, as I prefer, can be halfway to three-quarters of the way back from the gun. So if you're shooting high four, from your whole point, you'll be looking to the left, maybe halfway between your gun and your house, maybe three-quarters of the way between your gun and the house. Whatever specific hold point and look point is, we need to make sure that your vision is not tight. Now, what I mean by this is you should not be picking out a small rock, a tree, or a branch. Um, You first see as your vision will be too hard-focused and constricted. You will not be able to visually acquire the target as early as you could, and you will compensate by making mistakes that we'll go into later. But we don't want you looking for or excuse me, we also don't want you looking for targets this way as hard focusing your eyes on smaller sections of the background will tire them out faster, making how you look at targets just as much of a topic as where you look specifically. And I know this is common, most skeet shooters don't travel for away tournaments or have many different clubs. You may have one or two fields at your local range that you go to. You'll remember, oh, hey, I hold on this particular tree out in the distance, I Look, in this general area where that big rock is on the ground, well, what you're doing is you are narrowing in with your eyes on those targets, that tree, that branch, that that leaf, whatever it is, and you are unknowingly having a hard focus, and it takes a lot more time for your eyes to soften up and widen to open than it does for them to tighten up. So that's something to be aware of visually.
1: And I like what he's talking about here, where he's saying about relaxing your eyes and not you know, focusing on one thing. And I really liked, they should change it to this. It said look zone. Yeah. It's a look zone, not a look point. If you say point, you know, then you're staring at something. But in reality, you are having a little bit of a look zone there. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm going to look in this general region. My eyes are kind of seeing everything. And, I also like what he said, don't use markers. Um. So and we'll get to this on the next station too. But what I do is if I go to a club, you know, I'll often use the boundary markers uh, to an extent. But if I'm really like my whole point isn't right, or there's no markers or something like this, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to come to my whole point with my eyes closed. And That is, If you guys can get into the habit of doing that, that is very helpful because then you'll be able to go to any skeet field and all you have to do is close your eyes and swing your gun to your hole point and then you open it up and if your look point is based off of the barrel and the house or the barrel and the window or whatever it is, then you can just say, okay, this is my hole point and now I'm just going to move my eyes and it's in relation to your barrel and the window, and that never changes.
0: So for our listeners at home right now, usually Victoria and I do a quick meeting before each one of these episodes to kind of review what we're going to say. And we never plan for these tangents, but I'm going to go on another one. So on the subject of locating your hole points, something that I've done recently, in past few years, is whenever I'm getting ready to shoot on a field, even if it's at my home club, I'll go on to my... Stations where the stakes might not be in the right place or there may not be a, uh, an easy way to feel out my whole point. Um, you can also do something with your fingers or maybe some sort of measuring stick to find your particular hole point before the uh, the event begins. Just uh, walk onto each, find that general area, and odds are you will be able to locate it again without having to uh, measure or find it again while you're actually getting ready to shoot.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you do your little, I call it the little walk around. Yeah. If you do your little walk around before you start your tournament, or even if you do it before practice, if you do that little walk around, then you can kind of pick out whole point markers. And it's like, oh, hey, yeah, I should hold in that general region of that rock over there. And a whole point doesn't have to be exact yeah. feet every single time, but in that general region. And then once you get that, your kind of markers on each station, as you go around the field, make sure that you base your look point off of your barrel and the window. We don't want to look for a look point. We want to have that that zone that kind yeah. of in relation to the barrel or the window.
0: Okay. So back on topic, um, Visually, what we want to do is set our eyes, it could be halfway back or even three quarters of the way back from our gun towards the house we are shooting at, whether it's high house or low house on station four, we're talking about both, and have our vision relax. So you're taking in that general area, that look zone. Um, just for me personally, that area does include the window of the house. Um, personally, this helps my eyes pick up the initial orange blur as early as it exits the window, which makes it easier to acquire and initiate that steady movement uh, with the same consistent speed. Um, I'm not telling you to look into the window or at the window or even remotely close to the window. What I'm just saying is my soft focus vision is taking in that general area. So right now I'm looking at my screen. It doesn't include Victoria's head but I'm not looking directly at Victoria's head. I'm looking at my Word document that has a bunch of notes about what to say and what not to say. So word to the wise.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's a good example of such soft focus right there.
0: Yeah. For instance, if if Victoria were, her glasses were to fall off or microphone were to fall off, I'd be able to pick it up, pick up that movement, but I'm not looking directly at it because I'm looking at my, my document uh, that I have open right now about what to say next in case there's a there's a breaking conversation and we don't want to be saying, um, er um, and then you guys have to listen to that for several seconds, like some of our earlier episodes. So we are learning. We are not professionals at this. This is not our main job, thank goodness. But uh, you guys get to listen to it for free. So enjoy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Take advantage of it. Now, I'm going to talk here a bit. Um, So what I want to say in regards to look point, so far we've talked about halfway back and we've talked about getting at our closer. Obviously, I'm going to agree with Matt, never look in the window. That's just bad practice. But if you're having that, and I talked about this earlier in this episode, if you're having that target get past your eyes, you might be too close. Rather than moving your whole point or anything like that, try moving your eyes further out. You may have to go a little bit closer to your barrel than halfway. So you might be like three quarters of the way between the window and your barrel. So it's it's a little bit closer to the barrel, but that that might be a better move for some people. If that target is getting past your eyes because your muzzle does what your eyes do. So if the target gets past your eyes, well, it's already past your muzzle. You're pretty much screwed at that point.
0: Yeah. So I want to say a few more things about how you'll move. So the last professional instruction I received before our state shoot end of June, um, it was primarily focused on shooting singles and doubles on four included the phrase one move, one speed. Now, Paul, if you're listening, you'll remember this. Not all shooters exhibit this as they might start off with either too fast of swing when they see that flash and they're thinking, Oh, it's moving so fast. I need to, Ramp up my gun speed, and then they'll eventually slow down when they unwittingly realize they're way too out in front. And then they pull the trigger, and it's a miss behind. Then people will say, Oh, you missed behind. And people think, Oh, I need to move even more. Well, that advice is as incorrect as it as can be. It might even be the opposite. But because high and low four require so little perceived visual bodily, and gun movement relative to other targets because of our distance, our physical distance on the field relative to these targets. Having a proper consistent move at the one same consistent speed can be difficult, but it is needed to make these targets so easy.
1: And the best way that I've found to achieve that is to just relax. Just remember, it's just any other target just get your eyes nice and soft and let your eyes do the work. So they're going to pick up that flash. They're going to lock onto that target. Never take your eyes off the target. Don't do it. So if you're doing that car trick with the finger in the car, like Matt was talking about before, if you're tracking a car with your finger, take your eyes off the car, look back at your finger, and then look back up. The car is going to be gone. That's going to happen to your barrel and the target. So, if you take your eyes off that target and you look at your barrel or you look at anything else, you're going to stop moving the gun and that's going to cause the target to get past you and that might cause you to think you need to move faster. But what you need to do is you need to relax, pick up the target, look at the target and pull the trigger.
0: Okay. So let's talk about breakpoint now. So this one can be especially contentious because novices, even some intermediate shooters, they'll break the target uh, past the center stake, um, even well past, well past it closer to the other side of the field's house. Um, ideally, you would break either high or low for 10 to 15 feet before the center stake. This will vary mm-hmm. by a few feet. Um, but again, that going back to what we talked about earlier, break point is the common phrase, but break zone It needs to be within a few feet, um, 10 to 15 feet, uh, just to set you up for doubles properly. So your gun is not past the center stake, which will cause it to be behind the second target on doubles.
1: Right. And I will add, we're intending this podcast for people who kind of want to get into tournaments. So if you're getting into a tournament, you're going to want to take this advice. You're going to want to break it sooner, that 10 to 15 feet before the center stake. If you never, ever intend to compete and you never, ever intend to shoot doubles and you're just like, I don't know, I stumbled across this podcast you know, somehow or this YouTube video somehow and you're like, I'm just watching it for fun. Maybe it can help me shoot better. Um, if you cannot, a lot of people who just shoot recreationally, they never get to that 10 to 15 feet before the center stake. And if you are breaking it five feet before the center stake or over the center stake, that's fine. If you want to stay there, um, it is when you want to start shooting doubles and you want that consistent game and you want to get even better. You want to get up into that tournament uh, kind of zone. That's when you need, really need to start doing at least 10 to 15 feet before the center stake.
0: Yeah. So What will happen if you do intend to shoot doubles on station four and you uh, make any of these mistakes that we've mentioned, for instance, um, generating too much bodily movement, gun movement, the extra speed, it will put your gun well past the center of the field, which means your gun will be behind the second target on doubles. And due to this excessive movement, your gun will not be going at the same speed of the second target on doubles. Making shooting sustain lead, also called maintain lead, impossible. As we need to get the gun going at the same speed of the target in order to break it. It's not about lead. Lead is fairly forgiving. Looking at targets properly and matching gun speed are not forgiving. Those are the things we need to do. Your lead can be off by a little bit, and we really don't even think about lead that much because we're so focused on where to look, how to look, and our movement.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because so many people when they're starting out, they're like, I have to have four feet of lead on station four. If you think like that, and so if you're coming from rifles or anything else, you're probably going to shut your left eye and you're going to be like trying to measure. Don't do that. As long as you're, you know, right eye dominant, right handed, left eye dominant, left handed or taped properly, you'll be able to keep both eyes open and just look at the target. Don't think about the lead. Just look at the target. And that's how you'll break more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're spending a lot of time reinforcing the importance of where to hold, where to look, how to look, what to look for, and how you should be moving. Because these are two of the most important targets to develop an early foundation on. All these targets are needed in order to break a, pr- a perfect score. Um But uh, I would say these two next to high two and low six are the most difficult targets to break negative habits on. And they will take away from your score if not learned or correct early on. Mm -hmm.
1: And there's still two of them. Say you miss a high and a low four every time and your option. You don't miss anything else. Unfortunately, you're still shooting an 88. So I'm getting the signal that we're running low on time. So I think Matt is going to sign us off now.
0: Yep, we have less than a minute. And uh, the reason for that is because I do not want to pay for the paid-for version of Zoom to record these. So anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Ski Shooter Society Podcast. And we will see you next time. Goodbye.